Hi, welcome back to the Indie Wine Podcast. My name is Matt Wood, and this is episode three, By the Way Festival. This time we'll be focusing on the By the Way Festival, which is held in Richmond, California, semi-regularly, every six months or so. All the wineries that pour are zero-zero natural wineries, so nothing added and nothing taken away. Festival takes place at the Study Wine Bar, which is also home to the cooperative winery that many of the producers work out of. One unique thing about the festival is that the wines are all available to purchase. On this episode, we'll hear from winemakers from Wild Jag, General Psychotic Activity, Gearhead, and Everwild. Some of the others pouring at this version of By the Way that we unfortunately did not get a chance to interview, not yet anyways, are Subject to Change, Tai Tai, Miscreant, Miles Garrett, Hovick, and more. This is a great casual festival with a DJ who you might catch in the background of some of these interviews while they were warming up, along with unlimited pours, souvenir glass, food vendors, and some other small businesses. Noel will also make an appearance in this episode discussing some aspects of the festival. So first up is Adam of Wild Jag. Adam makes Carignan, Pinot Gris, Azin and Cherry, Piquette Petnat, extended maceration French Columbard, and also started working with some Mission Grapes in 2022. He makes his wine here in Richmond, and you can follow Adam at Wild Jag on Instagram. I'm Adam. Uh, I make Wild Jag wine out of this space here at the Purity Wine Space and Study Wine Bar in Richmond, and yeah, making zero zero wine. Great. What year did you did you start the winery in? What was your first uh, harvest? So I made wine at home, like first fruit wines and then some like wine from grapes off of Craigslist um, for like a year and a half. And then been here since 20, I think 2020 was my first vintage here. Okay. Or, or no, 2019. I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So yeah, is there, is there a type of grape you're concentrating on? An area? What, uh, uh, what, what thrills you? Not, not necessarily. Um, I definitely tend to gravitate to the less than typical varietals. Like I'm, I'm not really interested in like Pinot Noir or Cabernet or um, Chardonnay or something like that. But um, I think mostly for me, it's just like I really like wine and the way I learn is by doing. So uh, I wanted to know more about wine. And mm -hmm. so I'm just trying to like figure out what makes it so cool. Nice. Yeah. So what are you pouring today? You have a Old Vine Carignan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Old Vine Carignan Rosé. Um, this is Sunset Days. It's a Pinot Gris. This is a small batch of stuff I just kind of made for myself, but I liked it so much that I'm going to bring it. It's, a, okay. it's called Cherry Bomb. It's a cherry and Zinfandel. Um, and then I have a red that we're still pulling out that's um, uh, Syrah and Carignan. Syrah and Carignan? Okay. Yeah. You, you co-ferment it or um, those are those, uh, blend That them, was blended blend right, bl yeah, br blended at barreling. So. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's more of like a lighter one. Um, okay. What's your yeah. um, general fermentation regime? Are you... Is it more whole cluster, destem? It depends. Or... Um, sometimes I destem. Usually it's whole cluster. Um, it really depends. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it depends yeah. on the grape. Like right now, I'm doing like an extended maceration, but I've also done a lot of like quick, quick macerations and carbonic and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. The piquette. So that was your zin zin skins. Yeah, and zin then, skins uh, with uh, actual cherries. Okay. To, like. Uh, 
kind of bring up the sugar, but then it ended up tasting more like cherries than Zen. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Anything you're like excited for for the, the future or planning on? Um, I mean, I have a lot of, kind of wines doing? that I'm interested in. Like I mentioned, the French Columbard, that's a extended yeah. maceration. Um, I get to work with Mission this year, which is like a grape I've wanted to work with since I first started learning awesome. about wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that's about it. I don't know. Okay. Just a small um, little dude making wine. Yes, <laughs> it's a great way to do it. What areas are you usually working with for, for vineyard sources? Yeah, um, usually it's definitely got to be within driving distance, sure. like a decent drive for me. Um, but a lot of them are from Lodi, um, some from like Fremont and things like that, but mostly okay. Lodi, um, some Mendocino. Um, yeah. Okay. Next, we have General Psychotic Activity, which is run by four friends, Laura, Francesca, Nick, and Justin. They're based in LA, but make their wine in Richmond. They make a still Pinot Gris, Carignan, Pinot Gris Pet Nat, as well as an orange wine and a light red wine. You can follow them at General Psychotic Activity on Instagram. So it's called General Psychotic Activity, and there's four of us. We are from L.A., um, but we make wine up here in Richmond out of the Purity Wines facility. Um, And it kind of came out of the pandemic. We were drinking a lot of natural wine, and then one of the four of us said, wouldn't it be cheaper if we made our own? And the truth is, it's not cheaper if you just make your own. But We try to get high on our own supply, and we do. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot more fun. It's cost-effective as we thought. Yeah. It is a lot more fun this way, though, um, doing something with your friends. Um, sure. What yeah. types of wine are you generally making? You have uh, certain grapes or certain areas that you concentrate yeah. in? Yeah, so this is our second year. The first year we only did um, two tons. We did a ton of Carignan and a ton of Pinot Gris. Um, and our very first wine that we put out was a Pinot Gris Pet Nat, and that seems to have been the most popular so far. Okay. So we've made it again for year two. Um, but for year two, we've scaled up to five tons. And so we got Muscat. Almost six with the apple. Yeah, that's true. It's almost six with apple as well. But so we got Albarino, Muscat, Pinot Gris again. Capsov. Zinfandel, Capsov. Shannon. And Shannon. And okay. Apples. And then some apple juice. Yeah. Where are your vineyard sources? Um, so we got the we got the Albarino and Muscat, Muscat from, Lodi. from Lodi. That was through Noel here at Purity. Um, he'll if he's bringing in something, he'll say, "I've got twenty tons of this. Who wants some?" And we'll put our hand up for a half ton, full ton, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest we sourced ourselves through Wine Biz. Uh, um, yeah, they're kind of, kind of asking around. Over yeah, Central and Northern California, just sort of like where we find nice organic grapes um, from varietals that we're interested in mm-hmm. making wine with. I think the point the point is like keep it Californian, um, keep it as sustainable practice as possible, and like make it drinkable, approachable wine. Yeah. Okay. Um, we want to, you know, it, we don't want to make like super expensive or super, you know, labor intensive or fancy stuff. It's more about like, what can we do that feels good to share with your friends mm-hmm. um, at, you know, at a point that feels comfortable, like spending money on it and, and enjoying it on like a beach day or like a Tuesday pasta night or, you know, even like a Friday night before you go out, you know? 
Yeah. It's, 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 it, this was like born out of camaraderie and I think, you know, continues to support that cause. Yeah. Like the cool thing about the natural wine community is that it very much is like this community that everyone's sharing resources and stuff. So yeah, yeah. after year one, it was a lot easier to find connects. Even the Pinot Gris, like we, we tried so hard to find Pinot Gris this year and it was literally like someone heard there was a spare yeah. like couple tons and yeah. we grabbed what we could. Exactly. And so. we, and our final ton was actually not supposed to be Cab, Cab Bernay Sauvignon. It was supposed to be uh, like a, a Bordeaux, Bordeaux blend. Yeah. Um, and my two of my teammates came up, you know, to go get the grapes, <laughs> bring them back. Uh, and the owner of the vineyard sent us a bunch of photos and was like, well, it rained two days ago and now there's mold on all the grapes. So it's your call. You can back out if you want. Um, and we were like, oh God, here we are. We're SOL. We're already up here. What do we do? And our neighbors next door are subject to change. We're like, got, got a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon. We could totally sell you a ton if you want it. Um, two days later, we had a ton of Cab Sauv in the building, which was really, really like, what a lifesaver. Um, really, really like generous that they just offered to you know, pawn something off on us mm -hmm. and, and do the extra labor and all that. Um, so yeah, without without the team here, we would not be able to do any of this. So it's awesome to be a part of this community. That's awesome. So then you stay mostly up here during harvest and yeah. then Yeah, every, so after after this weeks. weekend, yeah, we'll have everything kind of goes away for a longer sleep. We've got to disgorge a bunch of pet nat, but um, thankfully we have big cars, so we'll bring some down back to LA and do it down there. Uh, and then everything else is in barrels, so chills out for a while. Yeah, we'll come back in the new year probably and check on everything. Yeah, but yeah, Thanks. we all have we all have like crazy full time jobs, <laughs> um, so the fact that we pull off like six tons of wine and are able to like make it and sell it is a feat in itself. Um, but it's awesome to be here, and and that's awesome yeah. to do it with like a great team. We're gonna take a short break from the festival grounds and. Here, Noel from Purity Wines discuss the origins of the festival and some of the other details that make it unique. You can follow Purity Wine at Purity Wine on Instagram. And Noel makes Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, Viognier, Gewürztraminer, and Apple Coferment, Verdello, Sauvignon Blanc, Syrah, Zin, Merlot, and also an Amaro. You can also hear much more from Noel in episode two of the podcast if you missed it. I would just love to get your thoughts on By the Way and how it started and the idea behind it. If you foresee it going anywhere different or, or changing in any ways. I know you said you thought it was the, the best one yet. The this one that was most just recent this, one. Yeah, this last uh, last weekend. I think it was a week ago today. Um, yeah. It was very successful. It, we did. We had 200. We sold almost 200 tickets. We sell tickets for thirty dollars. Um, it started a couple of years back, um, kind of like tying in with Brumaire, which is Ordinaire's fair. And I found that Brumaire was really fun. It was a great experience, but it was—they um, are so popular that the place would be just packed. I don't know. I don't know how many tickets they sell, but it would be packed. And I thought maybe we could help alleviate a little stress by doing an off Brumaire. And I asked Bradford, the owner of um, Ordinaire, if he's okay, if he was okay with us doing an off Brumaire, and he said, "Sure, not only that, but I'll put it in our little, um, I'll put it in our little newsletter or something like, or I'd, he'd email it out to people." And we did that, and really, it was so to feature 
um, both our friends, our natural winemaking friends uh, in the community and our winemakers and us. And to bring people in and show them the collective. It was kind of like a creative way of getting a little interest in the space, but to do it in a way that, again, you know, people, everybody could benefit. And we did that, and that was just before COVID hit. We uh, were actually, Rumer and, and by the way, uh, were, we did it on the weekend before the entire shutdown three years ago or whatever. Okay. And yeah. Well, and it's the end of your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> all, we barely made it. Yeah. Um, and so we did that and it was a pretty decent, uh, it, we, we did well by it and we were happy with it. And then it was the idea of like continuing to do it. And uh, people kept asking if we were going to do another one. And so then we did another one when we were coming out of COVID. And this was now our fourth, by the way. And we've kind of been doing maybe two a year. We're not sure if we're going to continue with two a year, but we did one in the spring and then one in the fall. And uh, initially I was taking the money from the tickets and giving it back to the winemakers because I didn't want to have, I didn't want to be, not only did I, I didn't want to either be seen or I didn't want to, I didn't want to be making money. That's not how I make a living. And I didn't want to make money on people donating their wine. And because of the permits that we have, people are, winemakers are able to sell at the fair. And I don't, I've never been at a fair where I was able to sell. And I thought that was a really good point. So we were giving ticket money back to the winemakers to kind of stipend them for coming here and for the wine that they were donating. And that was working well. And then at some point, we initially, when we moved here in 2017, we did a fundraiser. This was right when we moved in with the the five winemakers, not, it was in the co-op, not the collective. And I wanted to throw up uh, a fundraiser for the, cause we were having fires up in Sonoma, I think. And I wanted to, for the farm workers, because people talked about the farmers, but nobody was really talking about the farm workers. And a lot of those people were having problems when they were displaced from their homes and they were worried that ICE was gonna hassle them. If, if not deport them, just hassle them. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who to go to, what to do. We raised mm-hmm. $5,000 for them. And that was something I wanted to continue to do. So at some point I turned to Barry, my wife, and I said, you know what? I, I, I'm feeling really distraught about what's happening in Ukraine. And this is what ha- this is what happened five years before when I was feeling distraught about what was happening to the displaced farm workers. And I had been, when we moved in here, I'd wanted to do some things that were like that. I mean, I, I like to say philanthropic because it's funny when you think of philanthropy, you think of wealthy <laughs> people. We're, we're not wealthy. We're not, we're not poor, but we're not wealthy. But um, I would never th- have thought of myself, you know, I, my parents were migrant farm workers. I grew up, I worked summers in high school picking fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. I would never think that I'd ever be able to be a philanthropist. But all of a sudden I thought I can have a structure where we can give, give money to causes. So we talked to the winemakers on the spring this year, of this year's spring, by the way, and I said, can we repurpose the money that we were going to give you? You can still sell wine. Because I saw, I saw that people were doing well in the wine sales. You can still sell wine. But can we use the money for Ukraine? We did it for displaced families and for LGBTQ um, community. And it felt good, but anytime you send a check away, it's hard to have that causal relationship of doing good, right? Mm -hmm. If you give somebody some money and you can see something, that's one thing. If you send the check away and you're like, well, we gave this to a nonprofit and hopefully it did some good. We trusted it did some good. We did some research. We had our friends help us with who would be good to give money to. And that's what we did. And this time, uh, on this fair, we took, we raised. I think we raised about forty-five hundred dollars. We do take out like we have to pay for DJs. We have to pay for some help. So we do take that out of the money, but um, we don't take any money for ourselves. And I think we raised about four thousand forty-five hundred dollars. 
that it's going to go. We just, I decided, I said, why don't we, because we have kids in school, mm-hmm. why don't we, um, every time we go to any event, they pass the hat around. I said, why don't we go to some schools in Richmond? We haven't given any money to Richmond. We, we have our business here. And it's a socioeconomically dynamic community. It's a huge community. And attend, generally, people think of it as a ghetto, and it's really not. Um, and I said, why don't we go to a school, talk to some teachers, see what we can give them, what do you need? A hundred boxes of crayons? Do you need soccer balls? Do you need volleyball nets? Like, what can we do that we can actually make a change? I'm not gonna, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to really make a difference, but at least we can do something where we can say, this is the thing that these schools needed that we gave them that were beyond what the state is going to give them. Because the state's gonna give, provide you with the minimum amount. But every time we go in, it's like, can we get music, you know, sheet music stands? Can we get, so I thought, let's do that. That's, we're going to try that this year. We're going to see how it goes. But from now on, definitely, by the way, is a fundraiser. And we're, we want to make something that we can share with our community so that we can feel like we are doing something positive, that we are giving back to the community. Coming next, we have Craig from Gearhead Wines. Craig makes lots of pet gnats. That's exclusively what he was pouring at this By the Way Festival one made of Muscat, another of Viognier. You can follow Craig at Gearhead Wines on Instagram. Yeah, my uh, name's Craig from Gearhead Wines. Um, welcome. What was the first vintage of, of Gearhead? Well, I actually started in my garage in 2016. I made a small lot of wine. What? Uh, uh, 12 cases. 12 cases, okay. What grape were you working with? It was Grenache and Syrah that I got from Noel. Okay. Yeah. And it was pretty fun, stumbling around, trying to figure it all out. How many cases are you up to, um, to now? More than 12, most likely. Yeah, a few more than 12. <laughs> I think I'm at 1,200. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll just use that as a... Yeah, yeah. around that. Yeah, something and like that. And are you, uh, are you all zero, zero? All zero, zero. All okay. zero, zero. Okay. I've been since 17. The, my first vintage in my garage, I sulfured because I didn't know any better. Sure. And then... From 17 on, I've been zero, zero. What grapes are you working with mostly and in, in what areas? Right now, at the moment. Right now or, yeah, or historically well, is okay too? Yeah, so the, the last vintage is Cabernet Sauvignon, Vignet, Muscat, Albarino, uh, and Chardonnay. And well, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, okay. Columbard too. And Columbard. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, and just kind of all over California. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, Lodi, uh, Mendocino, uh, Hollister, okay. bulk of my where I work, vineyards I work with. Have your wines changed at all in the in the style since you, since Absolutely. you started? The, uh... Absolutely, they've changed. The first year was all traditional. My second year was all traditional. And then I happened to be here when in the beginning, and it was a bunch of really big wine, I consider big winemakers. And then I learned a lot of stuff from the people here. Um, and one in particular, Chad Hines from Method Sauvage, he was okay. doing a lot of carbonic maceration. Mm-hmm. And he would do a lot of tonnage, but I'd never see him. And I was, I was like, hey, did, how? How do you do that? Like, you know, and then he kind of showed me what he does. And I kind of like his style of what his wines mm-hmm. were very fruit forward and kind of. And so I started to do some carbon. And now I'm probably 
80% carbonic. Yeah. And okay. maybe 20 of a uh, little bit of both. Maybe some traditional and some carbonic. Okay. But mostly carbonic. Yeah. And for the whites, are you generally pressing or, or, or are you doing those carbonic? Yeah, I do. Also, I, or, or, I, or juice? My or? sweet spot is 14 days carbonic. Okay. I let it go for 14 days, press it. And if I can, I'll make pet net if it's still within range. And if not, um, it will just turn into either a white or a red still wine. I, I, I do make still wine too, but I make a lot of pet net. A lot of pet net, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'll be pouring all pet net today. Oh, all pet net today. All white pet net. So those are generally about 14 day yeah, carbonic, carbonic net, yeah, and, press, then, and then press and then them. And wait for 1.5 or in that range somewhere. I'm not too particular as long as it doesn't go over two. I, I don't usually don't bottle it two. Okay. I think it's a little, a little too much. Well, it, it can be, it. you can, depending on what variety it is, it can get really active. And no matter how cold you get it, it just, the key is to get it as cold as you can without freezing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, we disgorge every, I mean, I disgorge everything by hand. Every okay. bottle that I, is mine, I probably, Disgorged it. Okay. Yeah, or somebody helped me here. Yeah. Sure. Have you always disgorged the the pet gnats? Yes. The, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Anything for the future or ways that you're any new well vi I, vineyards or anything? Uh, not really, but I always. I mean, one of my one of my styles of making wine is I try not to have too many plans ahead of time because I feel like. It can be the starting of a lot of disappointment. So what I do is when the fruit comes in, I start to make decisions. If I'm going to co-ferment if I have something else that came in at close to the same time. And I like to co-ferment whites and reds mm -hmm. um, or whites and whites or reds and reds. It doesn't matter. But I like to get them together early as possible. Okay. And um, so next year, depending on – I don't have a bunch of shit written down yeah. on the blackboard going, I'm going to make – because I don't like to make wine. For me, making wine is kind of a free thing. And, um, you know, having a recipe or something like that is kind of not my gig. I, I like to let it go wherever it's going to go. Sure. And do, and come up, have it come about when it, the time comes. Are you co-fermenting with any other fruits ever or grapes? I, I messed around with some pears this year, but I haven't even checked in on it. It's just sitting in a tank. I'm just kind of, I did some apple cider last year, but that stuff kind of doesn't really turn me on that much. It's not like the grapes. Well, like I like apple cider, but I don't go out and buy apple cider. Mm -hmm. It's not my, I'd, you know, I'd rather ha have a nice bottle of Gamay or something like that. Yeah. than I'm not a real cider guy or any, like any fruit wine. It's kind of not my gig. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I can appreciate people that do, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think there's so much thinking involved with that. Okay. Yeah. I try to keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I appreciate You're welcome. it. Yeah. I'll I let hope you. you have a great day today. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Should be fun. And last but not least, as the festival was starting, I spoke with Austin of Everwild Wines. Austin and his partner Talia run Everwild together. Talia wasn't available for the interview because she had to be pouring as the festival was starting. They make Muscat, Syrah, Grenache, some skin contact whites. 
I work from some great vineyard sites like Shalom at Mrodnik Farm. You can follow them on Instagram at everwildwines. Five minutes to show time. That's how it is, five minutes? All right. <laughs> I'm Austin Hobart. Uh, my winery is Everwild Wines. That I uh, make the wines with my partner, Talia. Right. And uh, how long have you been making them for? This is, uh, we just got over our third vintage. Okay. Yeah. And are you making them here? Yeah, yeah we make our wines here in the okay. purity space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, you what, can say uh, that again. Huh? <laughs> 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 clean audio. It's not, we're not going to get clean audio. <laughs> we'll do what we can. <laughs> what type of wines are you generally making? What's your uh, sort of wheelhouse? Yeah, so all our wines are all natural wines. They're zero, zero, uh, so we don't add anything. The only component to the wines is the grapes themselves. There's no sulfur. Uh, we don't filter. There's no fining. Um, and same thing with the uh, the vineyards. The only thing we allow them to spray is sulfur, um, but they all have to be organic um, uh, practices and restorative practices. Where are most of your vineyard sources? Are you sourcing mm -hmm. from all around California, or do you have kind of an area that you're generally working in? Yeah, so we source our uh, grapes all from all over California. Uh, we have uh, vineyards that we work with in the Sierra Foothills and Mendocino, uh, all the way down to Shalone. We've gone all the way down um, to... In that area, forget. Yeah, yeah, but Shalone, Sierra Foothills, a lot in Sierra Foothills, and okay. then also in Mendocino, uh, and then Contra Costa County. We have okay. some vineyards here too. Nice. Yeah. What grapes are you usually working with? So uh, in Contra Costa County, we, we work with Fidelo, um, okay. and uh, this will be our third year working with Fidelo. Get that from uh, Tom. Tom's vineyard, okay. yeah, Tom yeah, Morgan. Okay. Uh, uh, Chardonnay from Malonis. Uh, down in Shalone, we work with Rodnick, and we get uh, quite a few varieties from him. Okay. Um, we get um, Syrah, Mouvedra, uh Shannon. Um, what else do we get? Uh, Grenache. Yeah. What's your fermentation sort of regime tend to be? Are you mostly whole cluster or carbonic or mm -hmm. destemming or, yeah. or kind of switch it up? <laughs> so the process changes based on the wine, what we're trying to accomplish with the wine. Um, typically, uh, a lot of it's whole cluster maceration. Um, uh, Videlo is a great example. That's a 30-day maceration. Uh, same thing, we have a blend of Muscat and uh, Chardonnay. That uh, the Muscat's two weeks uh, whole cluster maceration, and uh, the Chardonnay is half carbonic, half uh, uh, whole cluster maceration for three weeks. So you know, a lot of our stuff is heavier structure-wise, uh, but we do have some stuff like we have a Grenache from Rodnick that's destemmed and very lightly tread. You know, okay. um, so uh, we don't do. We started to do more direct press, but we don't do a lot of direct press. Yeah. Okay, so most of your whites have a little little skin contact. Yeah. All our whites okay. have some degree of, 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 of maceration on them. Okay. Um, and part of that's because we don't pitch yeast. And so just to create a stronger fermentation, mm -hmm. um, we're just trying to, to build a stronger... Right, get those nutrients from the from exactly. the skins and everything. Anything you're excited about from this last harvest? Anything you think tasting especially good kind of yeah. out of the tank or... Yeah, I mean, like, it's very it's very early. We got some uh, Riesling from Madeira uh, that we're very stoked about. Um, that's a white wine um, that is tasting really good. We got a, a GSM we made from Rodnick. That's really good. Um, what else is tasting good? There's a special vineyard that we make a Syrah Vigny blend in the foothills, uh, Sentinel 
is the vineyard. Okay. Um, they're, they're in Amador County. That's always really good. And, and this year, that vineyard got frosted. Um, so uh, the yield was really low. Uh, in fact, I think we brought in like under a quarter ton of Viognier okay. and, and I think only a half ton of Syrah. We were supposed to get closer to two tons from the vineyard and we ended up getting under a ton. Um, but the wine tastes so good. The fermentation was so healthy and happy. It was just really nice to working with that fruit, even if we don't make much of it. Um, and then we have a Shannon, uh, we have a small little Shannon project that, that we want to age for two years. Um, we tried to do a long-term white project every year. Uh, last year it was with Chardonnay, uh, which is a really special wine. And, and this year we're doing it with Shannon, uh, and that's tasting really good already. So we'll see if we make it to the two year yeah. mark. <laughs> So that you just give it two years of barrel age. And yeah. Don't touch it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So not no no topping or no any, topping anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't top so any of our wines actually. You know, I'd love to say it's aesthetic, but part of it's practical. <laughs> sure. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Too. Well, I mean, just like excess wine and like yeah. you know a lot of our stuff you know gets spoken for you know mm -hmm. so then then you kind of end up you know and all our wines too are made in, in low amounts you know. Like 70, at 72 case, uh, cuvee is a lot for us. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what's your case production kind of sitting at? Yeah. So we started in 2020 with 200 cases and then we've doubled every year. So last year was 400 and this year we're looking close to like 850. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully we'll get above, you know, custom wines that we have a little bit more of. <laughs> yeah. And mostly self-distributing or, mm -hmm. uh, like shops and and restaurants or um yeah so we're entirely um um self-distributed uh we're sold in you know most of the natural wine bars here in the bay area and also la um it's most of the ones i can think of i'm sure there's more that i don't know about um and uh um uh, yeah but also no, no distribution outside of uh the wine that we're you know our, our direct connections with, with sure. the stores and with the yeah we make our wine here and then we live actually like 10, 10 minutes away from here thanks for listening to a little snapshot into the by the way festival hope you enjoyed hearing these short interviews with some of the producers the money is always going to a great cause and i think it's well worth your time and money to head over to richmond and try it out next time you see it Probably the best way to find out about the festival is to follow Purity Wine on Instagram. You can follow this podcast on wherever you're listening and also the Instagram at Indie Wine Podcast for updates or email IndieWinePodcast at gmail.com. Next episode is with Chad Hines of Iruwai Wines, who after working in Richmond for a few years, moved his winery to the Shasta Cascade region of Siskiyou County. Thanks again. Have a good one.